Uh, good morning, church. It's good to be back with you. Thank you, Pastor. I want the most beautiful woman in the congregation to stand up, please. Debbie Jones, would you stand up? This is my wife. We've been married 45 years and 22 days today. Another four years, 11 months, and eight days, I may be off probation. That'll be our 50th anniversary. Keep that in mind, baby doll. So I want to show you God's blessed us in the 45 years of marriage with four married children and 11 grandchildren. So here's a picture of me and grandson, well, grandchild, number 11, and my bird dog, Malachi. Oh, by the way, the grandson's name, Owen, but the focus of the picture is on my bird dog, Malachi. And Malachi, I know, he looks like a duck. Uh, please don't, he would be mortified if he heard you call him a duck. He absolutely is convinced he's a dog. When I hold bread in my right hand, he will heal on my right side. If I hold it on my left side, he'll heal on my left side. If I put bread in my mouth, he will kiss me. If I, if I say jump and I throw bread, he'll jump up and grab it. He is as well-trained as any dog you will ever meet. A couple years, no, maybe a year ago, my sweet wife, she said, Bill, do you know you're always bragging about how much Malachi loves you? You do realize he doesn't love you for who you are. He loves you for what you do. He doesn't love you as the giver. He loves you for the gifts. He only is around you for what you can do for him. Sweetheart, you crushed me that day. I, I think I'm scarred. I, 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 it, it was hard to recover because I just knew if he were that faithful, always with me, he had to love me for me. You know, it's the same way with people, with us. When it comes to God, we tend to seek the gift and not the giver. We tend to seek God for what he can do for us rather than for who he is. I want you to hold that thought for just a moment. Pastor said we're starting a new series this morning. It's on the I am's in the Gospel of John. Let me give some introductory comments about the Gospel of John. If you turn in your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, turn those pages loudly because we have so many digital phones or digital Bibles that unless you have downloaded the page turning sound app, I won't be able to hear those pages. And I love to hear the pages turn. So if you'll turn to John chapter 20, it's the next to the last chapter, the very last two verses, John pins in these two verses the purpose of his gospel. So follow along as I read this. John says, therefore, many other signs. Now, you can put in parentheses there, miracles. Many other signs, many other miracles Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples which are not even written in this book. But these, these seven signs that John writes, these have been written 
so that. And he gives two reasons why he wrote these signs. First, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. That word Christ means the Messiah for the Old Testament. It's Christ in the New Testament. We today would say Savior. That number one, Jesus is the Savior, the Son of God. And number two, that believing believing in Jesus, believing in his name, that by believing you may have life. It's talking about eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have what? Life, eternal life, everlasting life. So, number two, have life in his name. So, comment number one, there's one purpose in the gospel of John. Comment number two, he writes seven, John writes, records seven signs or miracles. Now, why does he write these miracles? Because he wants to get our attention. So when pastor preaches on Sunday mornings, he doesn't want to get up here and just talk. He wants to communicate. He wants the words that he's saying to make sense to you. So he will often seek to get our attention. But what does Jesus, or the pastor for that matter, what do they want to do when they get our attention? They want to give understanding. And so the third introductory comment is one purpose seven signs slash miracles, and seven I am statements. These I am statements, once he gets our attention with signs, he gives understanding. The I am statements give understanding for two reasons. Reason number one, so we understand who this Jesus is. Jesus wants us to understand who he is. And then secondly, what does it mean to believe in him? So, he wants to get our attention through the signs, give understanding through the I am statements. All right, with that in mind, we'll start this morning with the first statement, and that's found in John chapter 6. So, hopefully, you downloaded that app. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 6. Scroll with that app page-turning sound. John chapter 6. Now, as you're turning there, let me give you an overview of John chapter 6. John writes this chapter. There are three parts to this chapter. The first 15 verses, he records miracle or sign number four. And that's where Jesus feeds the 5,000 with five loaves of bread. That's the first 15 verses. In verses 16 through 21, and that's of the seven signs, that's sign number four. Sign number four. Verses 16 through 21, he gives sign number five. And sign number five, he walks on the water in those verses. We're going to look this morning, and we're going to go verse by verse at verses 22 to 42. He feeds the 5,000 on the first day, verses 1 through 15. He walks on water that night, verses 16 to 21. Verses 22 to the end of the chapter, verse 71, but we're going to stop at verse 42. Jesus gives, it's the second day, and he gives the first I am statement. So, 
With that in mind, that's the overview. That's the big picture. Let's drill down deeply. Let's go verse by verse. Let's begin with verse 22. It says there, they came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. These people came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Now, why did they come to Capernaum? Because the day before they were in Bethsaida and Jesus fed 5,000. So here's how it worked. Let's say this auditorium is the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is about the size of Lake Murray. I mean, very, very close to the same size. If this is the dam at Lake Murray, this, this would be almost where Capernaum, the city of Capernaum is. It's a very small town. Over there, about where Mount Horeb would be, the church, is Bethsaida. So on that first part of chapter 6, Jesus has five loaves of bread and feeds about five times the amount of people in this auditorium. Now, for us to feed this with these five loaves, it's not going to work. You might get a, there's a little crumb. You might get that right there. You won't get much more. But Jesus, because he's not an ordinary man, he performs a miracle in five times his size, and he has 12 baskets of leftovers. Well, that night, or that afternoon, he sends the disciples from Bethsaida to Capernaum, and the people see them sailing off. He's by himself, but the next morning, his boat's still there, but Jesus isn't. And they go, oh my, and a lot of people have shown up now because the word has gotten out, we have found the first McDonald's. We have fast food. We can get in, get it, and get out, and it doesn't cost anything. It's free. This life is going to be great. Where did this McDonald's go? So they get in their boats and they come to Capernaum. They were seeking Jesus. But why were they seeking Jesus? Well, let's look at verse 26. It's, Jesus says to them, you seek me because you ate the loaves. They're seeking Jesus to meet their physical needs. They are just like my bird dog, Malachi. They're not seeking Jesus for who he is. They're seeking Jesus for what he does. And you know what? We are just like those people who are just like my bird dog, Malachi. We tend to seek Jesus. I, I, I put them in three categories. They all begin with the letter F. We seek Jesus when we have a problem with our family. My son's on drugs. Oh, God, would you take care of my son? Oh, God, do something. Please deliver my family. Second one, finances. I lose my job. Oh, God, I need a job. Oh, God, I need a job. Please, uh, we, we need the finances. We need the provision. I don't know how we're going to get through. God sets my son free. <laughs> I forget about God. No problem, no need. I don't have a need in my life, so I don't have a need for Jesus. I lose my job, I get a job. God provides a job. I forget about Jesus. I don't have a need financially, so I don't have a need for Jesus. I only need Jesus when I need a gift. The third one, family, finances, and physical health. Now, I went to Georgia Tech. 
I can add and subtract like crazy. I did not realize physical did not begin with an F until I went to CIU and got my doctorate. Then I learned how to spell. I can add. I'm just learning to spell. I know now that it doesn't begin with an F. It begins with some other letter. Oh, oh yeah, P, H. Third one, physical health. I have cancer. Oh, will you pray for me? I have cancer. Would you pray for me because I need God to heal me? Facebook, all my friends, I need you to pray for me. We put it on the prayer list at church. Pray for me. God heals us. No need. Forget. I just want what you can do for me. I don't seek you because of who you are. That really doesn't matter. I just need a portable McDonald's. Give me, give me, give me. It's all about me. It's not about he, about him. Okay, so verse 26, they want Jesus to meet their physical needs. They came, he says, because you ate the loaves. Verse 27, Jesus says, let me tell you what you really need. You do need your physical needs met, but there's, there's a greater need in your life. You need your spiritual needs met. So he says in verse 27, what you need is the food which endures to eternal life. Physical bread satisfies temporarily. Spiritual bread satisfies eternally. So we get to verse 28. The people ask, what shall we do? I mean, this probably sounded like a great idea for them. They're probably thinking, I need my spiritual needs met. How, I, I need meaning in this crazy world. I, I need purpose in life. I've messed up. I need forgiveness for my disobedience, my sin. Where am I going to go when I die? I need eternal life. Ah, Jesus, you say you can meet our spiritual needs? Well, then meet our spiritual needs. But what do we need to do? So they ask this question in verse 28. What shall we do? And Jesus in verse 29, he gives this very strange answer. He says, believe in him whom he, God, has sent. Now, what does that mean? If I need my spiritual needs met, which will be met eternally, what does it mean to believe in God? Well, Jesus is going to tell us in just a moment. He's got their attention by feeding the 5,000 and by walking on the water. So we get to verses 30 to 34. And these are, I just laugh almost every time I read these verses. In verses 30, well, verse 30 they say, what then, Jesus, will you do for a sign? In other words, they're challenging him. All right, you say you can meet our spiritual needs. Prove it. Show us. Big guy, big words, show us. Well, just the day before, Peter's passing out the bread we're all being fed. And can you imagine Peter, James, John, Andrew? They're like, oh, Jesus. Do you see how many people are out there? So Peter gets rid of his first loaf and comes back and he goes, we're running out quickly, Lord. Need you to come through. Don't worry, Peter. 
I'm not an ordinary man. And he reaches in, pulls out another one. Peter comes back, he reaches in, pulls out another one. And Peter's counting. Well, wait, that's one, two. Andrew took three already. John took a half dozen. Why did he take so many? This is my fourth one. And they just keep coming. And then they go collect everything. I mean, he had already proved it. I mean, if that didn't prove it, imagine you're water skiing on Lake Murray. And you see this person walking towards you on the water. You would, you'd lose attention, go tumbling off your skis. Or maybe you're out there watching the Martins come in and you're on your pontoon boat and you're looking up and it's just a beautiful sky and the birds are coming in and you hear the kids in the back of the pontoon boat talking to somebody. You go, who are they talking to? You look back there and there's this guy standing on the water and saying, yeah, yeah, I know that bird too. That, that's, that's Fred. Really? That's his name? Yeah, 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 I created him. And what, what that one, what's that one's name? Well, that, that's George there. George, he, he's a really cool bird. Um, I like George. I, I actually love all. And you're going, you're not walking on water. People don't walk on water. No, they don't. But the Son of God does. See, he got their attention. Now he's going to give them understanding. But they say, prove it. Why did they say prove it? If you look down at verses 41 and 42, there's this interesting statement. Verse 42, they say, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? You see, Nazareth, where Jesus was born, if, if, if this is Capernaum, that's the Sea of Galilee. Nazareth is over there, not too far. That's a, it's a good walk, but it's, it's not too far over there. And they're saying, I grew up down the street from him. We used to skateboard together. He was always the good kid in school. But he's just one of us. We know his mother and his father. He is an ordinary man. But Jesus was not an ordinary man. Look at verse 35. This brings us to the I am statement. Jesus, verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am, that's the statement, I am what? The bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. Now listen, if you're spiritually hungry today, you're looking for Jesus. If you're spiritually thirsty today, you're looking for Jesus. Not the gift, you're looking for the giver. And if you just satisfy yourself with the gifts, you will miss out on all eternity because you need to seek the giver, not just the gift. Now, why does he say, I am the bread of life? He's picking up from the day before, feeding the 5,000. He says, just like physical bread does not nourish you physically unless you receive it, eat it. Later on in the chapter, he says, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. It horrifies 
most of the people, and it says many of his disciples left that day. But what he's saying is, if you want nourishment spiritually, think about nourishment physically. You have, it's not just holding it, it's consuming it. And he says, if you're spiritually hungry, come to me. If you're spiritually thirsty, come to me. I will change your life. And you will cross over into a real relationship with God. And the powerful point over here is, you can get his gifts over here. He will bless you. But you get him over here. To better explain, to better give understanding of what it means to come to Jesus, to believe in him. I've invited Jason Brunson. Jason, will you come out, please? And those of you that came uh, to support Jason this morning, family, friends, would you guys stand up? Baby doll, you can stand up too. Musa, would you stand up? Just stand up. About that same number, a little bit more, came the first service. Uh, he's a very loved person. And uh, you guys can sit down. Musa, you stand up. Musa Mamadove. Uh, his dad and our dear friends, Musa came all the way from Baku, Azerbaijan, not just for this morning, but to study at CIU. Could you welcome uh, his, his dad and mom are former Muslims. So, Jason, what would you do if I stole those notes right now? Figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> all right, you got your mic? Yes, sir. All right, Jason is about, he's less than three months old as a follower of Christ. Would you listen how he came to Jesus and put his faith in the Son of God? Welcome, Jason, please. My entire career, I've been a strength and conditioning coach, so play along here real quick. Two claps, two claps, one clap, no clap. Good job. <laughs> I usually do that to make sure people are listening. I did it right now so I can take a deep breath. Bill Jones asked me two months ago, you want to give your testimony? It's only going to be about 1,200, 1,500 people for the first time. They say there is no testimony without many tests. My test started day one. Born to a 15-year-old mother who has stood beside me, stayed beside me, never aborted me, never gave me up for adoption. She later married my father when I was three and we moved to the country where they later had my brother and sister. Dre and Katie, who are here today. We lived a good life, simple life. We didn't have much. We had everything we needed. All was well. And I was 10 years old. We had a huge shakeup. It's like somebody took our world in a snow globe, shook it up, put it down. Our dad committed suicide in leaving... Family of four, 10-year-old, six-year-old, one-year-old. We moved back into town. And all during this time, we had a very, very strong grandmother 
who took care of us and supported us. Before that snow ever got settled back in that globe, it got shaken again. As I was at a skating rink on a Saturday with some friends, and a gentleman approached me, a stranger that I never knew, to share with me that he was my father. Well, on that ride home, a young mother had to explain to a 10-year-old boy about a biological father. One father ripped away, one guy fades in, he quickly faded out as quickly as he faded in. Mom kept doing everything she could do to support us. I ended up having your typical good high school career. She, she kept raising us, raised a strong younger brother, a beautiful young sister, and life was on its way. Well, all through high school, in Manning, South Carolina. You only taught one thing. If you don't get a degree, you're going to be sitting right here. So you better go off to school and get something. Well, I thought about that too late. So I graduated high school, got a job to start saving money so I could move over to Columbia and start college. Worked night shift at a plant. Did it for two years, already set to go to move to Columbia, go get this degree that's going to Help me be successful. Right before leaving, my best friend, when I say best friend, had a, fruit, had a key to my house, stayed at my house if I wasn't even there, right along with the brother and sister as if he was a family member. He comes home, commits suicide, boom. Another shaking moment. During those first 20 years of my life, I never really felt pain. I created a short-term memory. It fared me well then. It fared me very well. It helped me get to the next day. As I moved to Columbia to start a new life and a new journey, I came to Columbia with a short-term memory, short, short-term memory and a wall completely built around my heart. I woke up each day. I went hard. I went fast. I did all the stuff they talked about. You doing college bad. I did it for a long time. Wake up. Do it again. Wake up. Do it again. Never remembering. Putting myself in danger, never remembering the person, people I could have put in danger. And I wasn't going to slow down because I had no memory. That went on for 10, 12, 13 years. And that's when God started introducing what I call a task force into my life. I think he got creative. He knew that I was only going to look it up to and listen to people that I deem leaders. That doesn't mean older people. That doesn't mean people of high rank. But he first introduced my wife, Kimberly, in my life about eight, nine, seven, seven, eight, nine years ago. 
That was the first person. I didn't soften much. I tried to ruin that too. And then about six years ago, he introduced a guy named Joe into my, wife, into my life who was the first person that I could ever look at and say, he's got a past. He's got a bad past. I've got a bad past. That man's living God on his sleeve. That's the first time I ever noticed it. Then from there, Joe invited me to things. I started meeting other people that I can now identify as part of that task force as well. That grew. More people were coming in my life. More people that I see, hey, these, these guys, yeah, they've got a past, but it's not defining who they are. Then this past December of 2022, I had another guy who I looked up to in high regard coming to my office, someone who's very private to himself, very strong, and he fell to a knee in tears. I hurt. He made me promise that my wife and I would go and do this Bible boot camp that's well-known in downtown area led by Cubby Culberson. I said, yes, yes, but never really committed to it. Never committed to it the whole first part of 2023. Then things started speeding up. That task force started coming a little faster. For five Sundays before Easter this past year, our pastor, she kept speaking on forgiveness. And I would sit there for five Sundays in a row. And she would talk about need, you needing to forgive people. You need to forgive to people, like, get, get rid of that, forgive these people. And I questioned her, like, who do I need to forgive? I honestly can't think. I'm almost trying to make up somebody to forgive just so I could be a part of this and forgive somebody. And then on Easter Sunday, it hit. It hit hard. I was a person that I had to forgive. Because that short-term memory was no longer serving me well. It was serving me in a bad, bad way. And when it hit me, it's like the wall around my heart from those first 20 years started crumbling slowly. But it was crumbling. It was crumbling for sure. Not, there, not far after, I finally committed to going to that boot camp, and we started it in August, I think September or August, and it was five or six weeks. And uh, all leading up to that, I had definitely been starting to talk, talk at God, started developing feelings for God, all kind of led by that task force who were introducing me to new things. So at this point, I'm talking, talking to God and having feelings, and we get into this boot camp, I've dropped this wall around my heart. I'm ready to learn. In some part, two, week two or three, I'm reading something and it starts talking about your feelings with God. 
versus your faith with God. And it hit me. I've been talking at God. I've not been talking with God. Yes, I've developed feelings, but there's more. There's more to it all. So we finished that Bible boot camp. My heart's on fire. Uh, I want to learn more. I want to know more. I'm not a Christian yet, and I know that. So Cubby asked me to have lunch with Mr. Bill Jones. I've never met Bill Jones in my life until that day. Um, we went and grabbed lunch on Main Street. And we're sitting there, and, and I don't know if it's all a plan now that I think about it, but I don't know if I was supposed to be there with Bill by myself before Cubby got there or what. But Bill says, well, what are we doing here? Tell me, good question. What are we doing here? Um, I thought I was coming to talk about a, a, a Bible study or something like that. I start telling Bill what's going on. He quickly realizes the moment. Switches seats with Cubby. And right there, in the middle of that restaurant, we prayed that I would seek, that I would cross the bridge in eternal life as a biblical Christian. And he led me through that. And right then and right there, it's like all the emotion all the pain, all the suffering, and everything that I'd kept inside was lifted up and dropped to the side, and I walked out of that restaurant. And I really don't think my feet have touched the ground yet. <laughs> what I've learned that when you're in a huge state of growth, you can find a lot of loneliness. You're going from here, and you're leaving those from here, and you're going to here. And there's a big lonely part right there. It's also, being a Christian isn't easy. It takes work. I like hard work. My pain has a purpose. But I am who I am by the grace of God. And I appreciate y'all sitting here listening to me today. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. I love the vocabulary of new believers. It's all this stuff went out of me over there. And I shared the gospel with him at lunch downtown Main Street. And, and, and the gospel is, is a word that just means the good news of Jesus Christ. And I like to think of it as up, down, up, down. I said, God loves you. He loves you beyond your imagination. But you're not experiencing it because you've messed up. You've disobeyed God. And that keeps you completely separated from experiencing God and his love. You can get his gifts, but not the giver. Back up. God's love, our disobedience, God's remedy, Jesus Christ. I explained how Jesus 
the bread of life, died on the cross for him. And because he wasn't an ordinary man, he rose again from the dead, proving forgiveness was won. So Jesus, but the last part of the gospel is down. Jason, you have to respond. Either you reject the offer of forgiveness and eternal life, or you accept in accepting the bread of life, you must consume him. You must invite him into your life. And so I led him through a prayer. And if this morning you're spiritually hungry, if this morning you, you came in this room and you were thirsting for something different, better, eternal, satisfying, then the bread of life says, come, come to me and you won't hunger. It's verse 35. The bread of life says, believe in me and you'll never thirst. But just like that bread does me no good physically unless I receive it, the bread of life does you no good. You might get his gifts, give me this, give me that, give me this, give me that. But your need is for the giver. So if you would like this morning to cross over into a real personal relationship with God, no longer a cultural Christian, but become a biblical Christian, then let's all close our eyes and bow our heads. And if you already have Jesus Christ in your life, you pray for the others in the room that are that are hurting right now spiritually. They're hungry spiritually. They're thirsting spiritually. And you pray for them. Last service, many people invited the bread of life into their lives. That could happen for you this morning. So with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, if you want to invite the bread of life into your heart, pray with me. I'll pray out loud. You pray quietly in your hearts. Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for wanting me to live with you eternally in heaven. But God, I've messed up. I've disobeyed you. Lord, I know my sin I deserve to go to hell. I don't deserve to go to heaven. I deserve to go to hell. Ah, but Lord Jesus, thank you for dying in my place so I can have forgiveness, so I can be with you forever in heaven. Lord Jesus, bread of life, Right now, 
in this place at this time, I invite you to come into my life. Forgive me of my disobedience. Give me the free gift of eternal life and make me the person you created me to become. And Lord Jesus, I will follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, I ask. Now, just keep your eyes closed just for another moment. If you just prayed that prayer, would you raise your hand very high in the air and just wave it so I can see it, please? Praise the Lord. Oh, oh, praise God, praise God. Praise God. Father God, would you and your Holy Spirit wrap your arms around these people. Let them know that you love them unconditionally and that the junk that just came out of their lives, you've not only forgiven, but you've forgotten. Lord Jesus, thank you for being the bread of life. In your name we pray. Amen.